clear of the closing doors, please. Welcome to Subway Sports Talk. My name is Peter Kennedy, and I am your host. Thank you so much, as always, for tuning into SST on Apple Podcasts, app, Spotify, and on YouTube. Reminder, you can actually watch this podcast on Spotify as well. So nowadays, Spotify got the video up for certain podcasts, Subway Sports Talk. We got that. So if you want to watch my face, our faces with Mark Shenlugan going 3-0 and on the Picks podcast, Pat Boyle, Cody O'Connor, Anyone who may join Subway Sports Talk, Al Cargento, Andrew Kalanya, we're all here. We're all talking sports, and we're all having fun on YouTube, Spotify, Apple. You can't watch on Apple. That's okay. You can listen wherever the heck you want. I appreciate you all the same. Today, we're doing a short podcast, and the schedule has changed a bit. Okay, so let me hit the schedule real quick before we get into our topics. Typically, so far this football season, if you've been listening along, we've been hitting an episode on Wednesdays and Fridays. So we record Tuesday night release Wednesday, record Thursday night, release Friday. Last week was a little bit messed up. We released on Thursday this week, a little bit messed up as well, but we're actually just going to add some content for you guys. So this week is not going to be a short week of content. It's going to be even bigger week of content. So you got me right here, right now going to talk about the New York Knicks and New York football because God damn it. There's things to say about New York football for as bad as it is. And as much as we don't want to talk about it, We got Daniel Jones out for the year and beyond with the torn ACL. We got the Jets losing to the Chargers on Monday night football. Uh, And we got the Knicks with a huge win on Monday night against the Clippers. We're going to talk on all those three things. And then on Thursday in your Apple podcast, Spotify app, YouTube, wherever you listen, right? On your account Thursday, you will see a fantastic episode doing mid-season quarterback tiers and rankings with none other than Paul Barquita. We did it in the preseason. You guys gave us some good feedback on the episode. We have a ton of fun, and you talk about the quarterbacks. It's a great time to be alive. So we're going to get on Tuesday. That's right now. You're listening to it. Knicks, Jets, Giants. On Thursday, we're going to get QB tiers, um, you know, mid-season QB tiers, rankings, etc. And then Friday will be the normal picks podcast as well. We're back this week on picks. I unfortunately went one and two along with Pat Boyle at one and two. Cody O'Connor went two and one, keeping his winning ways more or less consistent. And Mark Shenlugan with a solid three and oh. How about that? Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch passing the test this weekend. So shout out to Mark. Another winning week, though, for the Subway Sports Talk. Fellas, that's now, uh, if I'm not mistaken, 11 games over 500 on the season combined between the four of us. So good stuff all around. But let's get into what we're going to be talking about on today's podcast. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to start with a positive. And I'm going to start with the New York Knicks because even though they had their first good game in a while against the Clippers on Monday night, and there's tons of positives to draw from, there's been a little bit of a weird energy around the Knicks so far this season, specifically involving none other than Julius Randle, who's been off to a slow start. He's been shooting terribly from the field. It's really just been a lackluster, just lack of energy, no juice type start for Julius Randle. RJ Barrett's been out. Brunton's been really good. Mitchell Robinson's been really good. Good. Grimes has been okay. Hart and DiVincenzo kind of finding their way, but they're not carriers of this team. And that's the key word I want you to remember here, carriers of a team, okay? So all this controversy about Julius Randle is coming to fruition here in New York yet again. We're only six games into the season, and yet again, here we are complaining about Julius Randle, upset with him. We should trade him. What are we doing? He's not going to lead the Knicks to a championship. 
Okay, that's how you feel. I'm going to tell you that you're not wrong necessarily, but I want you to think about it just a little bit differently because you are on a wild goose chase. You are looking for something that I don't believe truly exists. What you want, and when I say you, I'm talking about the specific people out there who are desperate to move off Randall, desperate to get rid of him and say he's done. He's not the guy. He's not going to be as good as he was in those two seasons out of the last three that he was really good. Already a little bit of a leading on the witness, if you will. But the, the story with Julius Randle to me is not as complex as people make it seem. A lot of people want to make it seem like he's been such a cancer or he can't play in New York or he can't handle the crowd. He can't do this. He's always upset about that. He doesn't play the right style of basketball. Okay. Now, I will digress and say there have been moments where he has not handled things properly. There have been moments where he frustrates me with his style of basketball when it comes to winning basketball games. So I'm not saying that that is completely a non-factor, but again, I want you to think about this a little bit differently in the terms of looking to trade Julius Randle. Everybody wants to trade him now. Everybody wants to trade him when he's upset with the New York market. Everyone wants to trade Julius Randle when he's not playing well. Unfortunately, that will not provide you, the fan who wants to trade him, with what you want in return. Now, I'll give you some examples in a minute. But when you want to trade an asset, when you are trading something that you want to get good value for, which you think you should get because Julius Randle has done all these things that you're not that proud of, well, you're not going to get that value when he's playing poorly, when he's acting like a brat, when he's not understanding the New York market as well as he should. You're not getting that value. And then he starts playing well, starts carrying this offense, starts doing the things that not many players in this league can do. And then you're happy with Julius Randle. And then you don't want to trade him. And then you say, well, what are we going to get for him? Why don't we keep him? Because he's doing really well. He's actually an all-star. He's actually an all-NBA level talent. Why are we going to trade him now? That's the opposite of what you should do. You should trade him when the value is high. You shouldn't trade him when the value is low. Right now, the value has been low so far this season. But a reminder, it's so early in the season. Does it even really matter to this point? It doesn't. Okay? So when it comes down to trading Julius Randle, I want you all who desperately want to do that to think and, and tell me, because I've looked, I've looked high and low for the opportunity of who you can trade him for to make this team better, closer to where we ultimately want to be. I don't see the options out there, people. So if you have the option, please tell me at Subway Sports Talk, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, doesn't matter. Hit me up at P. Kennedy, two Ys. Who's the player out there that you want? Who's the player that you think can help put this team in a better position to succeed consistently? To put them closer to the ultimate goal? To put the Knicks in the conversation with the Celtics, Bucks, Sixers, et cetera, Cavs, if you want, even though they're there basically already. Who is it? Is it somebody who plays a similar position to Julius Randle, which is a four, right? Play a little bit of small ball five, can handle the ball a little bit, do some stuff. You you want a player like that because who's that player in the NBA? Who's that player more specifically who's even remotely on the market? I know you're thinking right now listening to this podcast and the names that might be popping up into your head, they're probably not even on the wire, okay? And then some of the people who maybe popping into your head, who might be in the relative value of a Julius Randle, why do the other teams, why would the other teams be interested in such a trade? 
One that I saw on Twitter today that uh, Adam Bushman put out on Twitter. He's a jazz type guy. He just wanted to start a little dialogue and he wasn't even advocating for the trade, but was just curious on people's opinions um, on this particular trade between the jazz and the Knicks. Now, granted, most of his followers are jazz fans, but nonetheless, John Collins, who's now been playing pretty well so far early in the season for the Utah jazz for Julius Randle. Right away, Knicks fans are going to say, John Collins, he's not nearly as good as Julius Randle. I would agree. But who says no to that deal? I think both. I think the Jazz say no. I think the Knicks say no. I think the Knicks say no because John Collins is not as good as Julius Randle. I think the Jazz say no because what is Julius Randle doing for the Jazz? He's not putting them in a championship contender. He's not making them more flexible from a money standpoint moving forward. He's not going to fit right in to that style with Larry Marketing, et cetera, out there in Utah. So the Jazz are going to be like, well, why the hell do we want Julius Randle? The Knicks are going to say, John Collins, that's a downgrade. And I saw on that Twitter thread, which I don't agree with, Jazz fans saying, oh, the Knicks would have to attach an asset to Julius Randle for John Collins, which is crazy, right? But that's how people think out here in the NBA world, in the NBA market. People don't believe, or some people don't believe, kind of like some of you fans here, don't believe in Julius Randle as a supreme winning basketball player. But Julius Randle can do things that John Collins just can't because he can carry an offense. And he's done that for multiple stretches, for long stretches in New York for two out of the three last seasons. It's been really freaking good. Made an all-NBA team. He made multiple All-Star games. Julius Randle has been putting together seasons now for a while here in New York doing pretty legit stuff. Okay, So when you hear John Collins and you go, Ugh, no way, that's not an even value. That's not even even, let alone a win for the Knicks. That would not even be an option for a team like the Jazz on the other side of it. Who are some of the other guys who are power forwards that you might think of in this range? Obviously, let's take the big dogs right off the table. Kevin Durant out, Paul George out, Anthony Davis out, Giannis out, Lowry Markkinen out, Zion Williamson out, Jaron Jackson Jr. out. Right, So those are the big dogs. They're, they're not even interested remotely in a Julius Randle trade. You start going to some other guys. You bring up a guy like Tobias Harris. Who's a better basketball player? It's Julius Randle. Tobias Harris may be a little bit more consistent, a little less upside, maybe a little less of a headache. Sure, not as good. Knicks fans would be pissed off if that was the trade. They'd be miserable if that was the trade, especially with the contract that Tobias Harris has, has even though you know his contract's going to start to end up soon. That's not happening. Both teams are saying no. Sixers don't want Randall. Knicks don't want Tobias Harris. P.J. Washington out in Charlotte. Why would Charlotte get rid of P.J. Washington, who's a much younger player, who's very good, who's going going off so far this year? That's out. Paolo Bancaro, second year, first-round pick. No way. No chance in France. Okay? Keep going down the list. Chet Holmgren, no. Jalen Williams on OKC, no. Grant Williams, downgrade. Terrible. Absolutely not for the Knicks. Right? Pascal Siakam. Now, there's a guy who the Knicks might say, he can put us in a different stratosphere. He's a guy who is equal or better than Julius Randle, can fit this team, can make sense. Would the Raptors in a million years, A, ever trade with the Knicks now at this point after this whole lawsuit situation where clearly the Raptors are not happy with how the Knicks are handling this? They're petty, and the Knicks are apparently petty too. That trade ain't happening, and if so... 
even though Randall has more accolades than Pascal Siakam outside of the championship ring, the Raptors would want the Knicks to attach assets to Julius Randall, including draft picks and young players and et cetera, for Pascal Siakam. But that ain't happening anyway, okay? I just went through 14 or 15 power forwards, none of which would be interested in Julius Randle, none of which, after the top, you know, top handful there, would the Knicks be interested in, in getting back outside of Pascal Siakam? And again, that ain't happening. Then you start getting into a, a situation talking about Dorian Finney-Smith. Uh, I already mentioned John Collins, right? Aaron Gordon ain't leaving Denver. No chance in France, even though, again, Julius Randle, a better player than Aaron Gordon. But from a fit perspective, and Denver just winning the championship, they would literally laugh and hang up the phone. Keep going down the list. Onyeka Okongwu in Atlanta, a younger player, not as talented as Julius Randle. Can't do the stuff that Julius Randle can do. Could he help the Knicks in certain ways? He wouldn't fit with Mitchell Robinson. That makes sense. That doesn't make sense, right? That's out. Where are we going? We starting to look for small forwards. We're starting to look for different types of players. We're starting to look for shooting guards for, for Julius Randle. Let's start thinking about it. Who are you looking at? Let's knock the first guys right out of the market. Jason Tatum, LeBron James, Kawhi Leonard, um, uh, Franz Wagner, right? Jimmy Butler. These guys are not in the they're not in the conversation. It ain't happening. The other teams are hanging up right away, right? You get into the worlds of the DeMar DeRozans and the Zach Levines. Are those trades that might be interesting to the Chicago Bulls? Yeah, absolutely. Wouldn't you as a Knicks fan be happy with a DeMar DeRozan or Zach Levine added to this team? I don't think so. Jeremy Grant, good player, solid player, plays the right position for this team possibly. You'd be looking that at that as a downgrade from Julius Randle. Can't do the same things offensively, even though he puts up numbers. That's because he gets a lot of shots. He's not super efficient, et cetera. Is Jeremy Grant someone who you're going to get excited about here in New York? For Julius Randle, who's made all-star teams, Jeremy Grant ain't making all-star teams. Mikael Bridges in Brooklyn, he ain't getting traded for Julius Randle. Nets aren't doing that. Why do the Nets want Julius Randle? Keep going. Down the list. What are you going to be happy with? What are you going to want? I'll go back to the Raptors. OG Ananobi. Raptors ain't doing it. Would you be happy with him on the New York Knicks? Probably. He's a good player. Not as talented as Julius Randle, even though he's been in a million trade uh, trade offers and rumors and et cetera. Who's the guy? Where's the team? What's the situation that you think was going to make the Knicks better? I'll, I'll wait because I, I don't got anything for people. I don't have the answer. What I have is what is here right now is probably the best situation for Julius Randle, for the Knicks, and for us fans for this season. That's the uh, the fact of the matter. That's the truth, which some people would say is the unfortunate truth, and I will not say that because I see the absolute value in the New York Knicks competing this year at a high level and proving the concept of this team being a top four-ish team in the Eastern Conference. Because right now, the Celtics and Bucks are above the rest, right? They are the top dogs in the Eastern Conference. The Sixers are off to a hot start. Tyrese Maxey's been awesome. Joel Embiid's been awesome. They're really good. Even without James Harden, what they got back may have been a little bit disappointing by those standards, but that's the perfect reason uh, to bring this up right now. James Harden is a great freaking player. Now, obviously, there's tons of drama attached with him, and we understand why he didn't get the value that maybe he would have in different markets or different times of his life. But that should prove to us Knicks fans that these trades ain't easy. And you don't often get the return that you want 
for these players. So if the Knicks want to be in that tier at this moment in time, what I believe is the absolute best option is to continue to play with Julius Randle on the New York Knicks, to continue to push towards that four seed, towards that three seed, and be a consistent, well above average Eastern Conference playoff team. That's the value for the Knicks. It's not trying to move off Julius Randle right now. And maybe he's not the answer to put this team into the championship conversation. But for three years now, he has been the answer to put the Knicks into any conversation. And you cannot forget that. To throw him to the side because you don't love his style, because you don't love the way he carries himself at all times, to me, you're missing the mark. To me, you're not looking at the big picture. To me, you're doing what the same old Knicks have done for a long time. Just this time, they're trading a good player, a very good player, for what? I don't have the answer, and you don't have the answer. Because if you did, I hope you freaking tweet at me, because I want to hear it. I want to hear the trade that's going to blow me away. I want to hear the trade that's going to leave Knicks fans happy, that we don't have to attach crazy assets for, for a player of equal or below value. Because the players that are above value, then Julius Randle, because you got to think about what above value for hit for Julius Randle means. That means an, an all NBA level player. That means somebody who can carry an offense for large stretches of a season. This player doesn't exist right now. The trade doesn't exist right now. The Knicks number one goal should be to get him going to get him back to that place. He was last year for a huge portion of the year. He had a few weird stretches early on getting used to playing with Jalen Brunson. Guess what? We saw this team with RJ Barrett back from injury against the Clippers on Monday night. They looked freaking awesome. They looked like the team that we signed up for this year. The team that we do believe can be a number four seed in the Eastern Conference. That's by far the best option for the Knicks right now. This trade doesn't exist. So if you want to move off Julius Randle, I'll just tell you to pump the brakes, bro. Watch some Knicks basketball. Watch games like this, this Monday night win against the Clippers where it was sparked wholeheartedly by three things. One was R.J. Barrett back from injury, attacking the rim, and playing good basketball. Two was Mitchell Robinson, who deserves all the praise in the world for being an absolute dog and grinding night in, night out on the glass, giving this team a multitude of extra offensive possessions. And number three was Julius freaking Randall. We all saw the memes. We all saw the bad stats from the first five, six games. We saw the bad shooting percentages. And some people are upset. And some people think they have to make a move. And some people say it's time for him to get out of town. I say relax. I say let this guy get in a rhythm this season. And let's not start to judge the New York Knicks season after seven games. Because this team at this point in time is the best when he's attacking the rim, when R.J. Barris is attacking the rim, when he's hitting jump shots, when he's playmaking, and Jalen Brunson is being Jalen Brunson. This team can be really good this year. This team should be really good this year. In my opinion, they will be really good this year. And in my opinion, there isn't a trade that exists that can keep this team as an expected top four level squad without Julius Randle being there. That's it. And I got to say, man, Mitchell Robinson, bro. Mitchell freaking Robinson. Love this man. 
This guy grinds on the boards like not many players that you get to watch. <laughs> really, he's out here. The offensive rebounding numbers are staggering. The defensive rebounding numbers, staggering. The defense in general, the blocks, the steals, the shot altercations, it's off the charts. Can we give this man a few touches? Clearly, he wants a few touches. His trainer been tweeting and posting IG stories. He's been kind of rumbling for a year and a half now about, bruh, all I do is run the court. All I do is play defense. All I do is rebound. Would it kill you to throw me a few more lobs? Would it kill you to give me a, a little bit of a roll? Would it kill you to give me a post-touch? I don't think it'll kill you, Knicks. I don't think it'll kill you. Reward your big man. Man, come on. Have we not heard this story a million times about the Detroit Pistons in the 4 finals? When? The first play of every single game, they just gave Ben Wallace a post-touch. They were just like, here, Ben, go to work. Did it work? Most of the time, it didn't, okay? <laughs> Sometimes it did. Mitchell Robinson is a better offensive player than Ben Wallace. Much better. Better hands, a little bit better touch, better moves. Surprisingly, a better free-throw shooter. I didn't know that was possible. Give the man a touch. He deserves it. He's grinding every day, every night, every play. Watch Mitchell Robinson, man. Oh, my God. I can't get enough of that guy. Just give the man a touch. Make him happy. We need him happy and continuing to grind to add all those offensive possessions. And in reality, when this man's adding between four and eight offensive possessions via offensive rebounds, man, he deserves two touches. Throw him the ball in the block. See what happens. You never know. And his free throw shooting's better. Mitch Robinson. Love you, man. That's it. All right. Let's move on to football. Because, you know. They, they ain't trading Julius Randle. It ain't happening. It doesn't exist. So let's move on to football. Let's talk about the New York Giants first. Let's put a pin in this. This is going to be kind of quick. Daniel Jones got the contract. Daniel Jones fell apart this year for multiple reasons. Obviously, the injury being the one that's most recent, the most important, the biggest, and the most painful, right? Torn ACL out for the year, most likely out for a big portion of next year as well. So this leads us to so many questions and leads us to the past couple weeks where they left a few wins on the table. Past couple weeks where we've seen Tommy DeVito really struggle, where we saw Tyrod Taylor kind of struggle as well and get injured himself. And it brought us back to Daniel Jones. Things weren't going particularly smooth and then he got hurt. But we have to be real about this as well. Because with as much as a curse as this is and as unfortunate as it is and as much as you never want to put someone's career out due to an injury like this, a guy who's been a consummate pro who's been grinding, who's been doing the right stuff for four years now, other than throwing touchdowns. You hate to do that to Daniel Jones, right? Cause even if you don't like him as a quarterback, it's hard to dislike him as a guy. He does the right stuff, right? But now the giants are at a true crossroads to me. It's pretty obvious what should happen from here on out. Before the trade deadline, they already moved some pieces, Leonard Williams being the marquee piece who moved, who got traded there, and they're not good. <laughs> the Giants aren't good, right? They're sitting at 2-7. and seven. Obviously, the playoffs are long gone. They have a point differential of negative 116, which is by far the worst in the NFL. So even for the inklings of hope that you could have had uh, a couple weeks ago when they just lost that game to the Bills and they just lost the game to the Jets, and they fumbled the bag against the Raiders, and Daniel Jones gets hurt. In reality, there was not much hope for this team. And I pontificated a few weeks back about the idea of this team still getting to 7-8 wins, and clearly that's out of the realm now. 
but that was real at the moment. And they played in such a manner where it was realistic for a little bit there, right? It was actually a reasonable thing to see possible for the Giants to now get to seven, eight wins and make this season at least relatively respectful. But this crossroad now, the choice seems obvious. Two and seven, one of the worst teams in the league. They need to be bad the rest of the year. They need to continue to play bad football. And it sucks to say this because you don't want to be a fan who roots for losses. And when the Giants play their next game, I'm going to watch and I'm going to root for Tommy DeVito to make positive plays. I'm going to root for the defense to continue to play better than it uh, was earlier in the year. But what really is going to propel this team to anything further than it is right now is a top three draft pick. And that brings you to the question of quarterback. Is this the time to move off Daniel Jones? Is this the time to go a new direction and get a new quarterback? And my answer is yes, it is time. And again, you hate to say it because does Daniel Jones deserve that fate? Does that, should that be the pin in Daniel Jones career as a New York giant to be injured on a weird play where he banged into one of his linemen and then fell down on the next snap? No, no one deserves that, right? But in sports and in this business, you have to make these super tough decisions. And we've seen teams in the past do this and to varying levels of success. Obviously, to picking a quarterback, whether it be the number one overall pick, the number 10 pick, or in the second round or the fourth round, it's never an exact science. Never going to be easy. We've seen teams have the first pick, get it wrong, and teams with the 10th pick get it right, a la Patrick Mahomes or Sean Watson. Other quarterbacks went before those guys, and they were the better quarterbacks. We saw it maybe already this year with Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud. It seems obvious already that C.J. Stroud should have been the number one pick for quarterbacks. So is it obvious that Caleb Williams is the right guy for whatever franchise he goes to? Maybe not. Drake May, is he a lock? Maybe not. Is Michael Penix Jr. a lock? Maybe not. Shadur Sanders, same thing, right? But what the Giants have an opportunity to do here is reset. And the way in which this contract was settled between Daniel Jones and the Giants is that there was guaranteed money, but the guaranteed number wasn't that full number that everyone was so scared about, right? So when everyone talked about, oh, $40 million a year for Daniel Jones, what the hell is that? What a joke. We tried to remind people that not all of that was guaranteed. And after two years, the Giants had some serious outs to be able to get off a good chunk of that money. So is that going to hurt the Giants in free agency if they pick a quarterback? It might for a year, but guess what? What remains to be true is the biggest efficiency in the NFL right now is having a quarterback on a rookie contract. You've seen it across the league. So many of these quarterbacks who do perform well in their first contract, large in part, has been due to the success of the players around them. Look at the Philadelphia Eagles. Look at the Dallas Cowboys. Right in our own division. Those teams were so elite, and they were stacked, and Dak Prescott was so good early in his career, largely because they were paying a lot of offensive linemen. They were paying wide receivers. They had a defense with a bunch of dudes on it. So for a year or two, is this going to be hard for the Giants to get right when it comes to the rest of the team's contracts and the cap and et cetera? It will. It will. But for a couple years after that, when that rookie quarterback is in year three and four of the of the first year con or the first uh, rookie contract, that's the efficiency. That's the chance to take big strides. That's the chance to go from a middle of the pack team to jump up to a real contender. 
We've seen it before. Patrick Mahomes, right? Even the best quarterback in the freaking world, Patrick Mahomes. What's happening with him right now? He is struggling mightily. Not mightily. He's Patrick Mahomes. He's doing pretty freaking awesome, actually. They're winning a ton of games. They're 7-2. and two. Let's not get crazy here. But you understand what I'm saying. Today, the Chiefs struggle to move the ball that much more because of the contract situations that were at hand. They couldn't pay Tyreek Hill. He goes. Worked out fine for a year. Now it looks like a real problem. Same thing now we're going to see with the Baltimore Ravens. They made some moves with the wide receivers this year. Still not incredible moves because they couldn't afford much more after finally giving Lamar Jackson the contract and paying guys on defense and still having a good offensive line. And they're not really paying running backs too much money either. Right? But what was their efficiency? When were they at their best? When was their defense reeling and they looked great? When Lamar was still on the rookie contract. It makes sense. Josh Allen, Bills, same thing now too. Granted, they're dealing with a bunch of injuries, but they can't pay the people that they were paying two years ago. Josh Allen's contract's kicking in. You hear about it every single time T. Higgins has a good game. Joe Burrow's contract's kicked in. They're going to be able to keep T. Higgins? Probably not. They might be fine because Joe Burrow's the answer, but they're not going to be as good as they were with that chance to win a Super Bowl two years ago when T. Higgins was on a rookie contract, Jamar Chase was there, Joe Burrow was on a rookie contract, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So this is the time. This is the chance for the Giants to reset. This is the chance for the Giants to eat a little shit in the salary cap this year or next year and possibly a little bit in the year after, depending on how the money breaks down with Daniel Jones. But if you can hit on that quarterback and you might have a chance to have the pick of the litter because the Giants are bad and they're competing with some other bad teams who might just win a few more games, right? You got the Chicago Bears. You got the Arizona Cardinals. You got the New England Patriots. Those are the teams that the Giants are now competing with for the first overall pick and for Caleb Williams or Michael Penix or Drake May or Shadur Sanders. To me, what would really excite me as a Giants fan is to have one of those guys as the new face of the New York Giants. And as much as it sucks for Daniel Jones, as bad as I feel for that man, and as much as I didn't want it to go this way, so many of us have been sitting here talking about Daniel Jones for years now saying, we do not see the juice. We do not see the upside. We cannot continue to see a guy not throw freaking touchdowns. So it's time to make the move. And as unfortunate and sad as it is for Daniel Jones, this is a chance for the Giants to reset and possibly turn the tide and in a few years be a contender again. It's unfortunate, but it's true. So let's move on to the New York Jets and wrap up here. With the New York Jets, I want to kind of segue off of what I just talked about with Daniel Jones. As Giants fans, as Jets fans, we've watched our teams for a couple years now, and we've been seeing an offense just struggle. We've seen a two-touchdown game feel like a miracle. We've seen scoring 24 points in multiple weeks feel like it was the greatest feat on earth. It's no way to live in this league. It's no way to live. Look at the league right now. Go to the standings on ESPN. Just scroll up and down. All the teams that are worth their weight in freaking salt have way more points than the Jets and the Giants. And it's stupid to put it down to just that number because these games are not played in a vacuum. It's not just down to the quarterbacks. It's not just down to the offenses, right? Because the defenses play a big role here. Obviously, a team like the Cowboys, their defense scores points. We just saw in the Jets game on Monday night, uh, would they score one touchdown on offense, the Chargers, and they won by three touchdowns? Yeah. That's that's what happened. Well, they scored more than one offensive touchdown, but the pick six was 
actually to the one yard line, whatever you get the point. Jets scored 130 points this year. Giants have scored 101 points this year. That's worse than the bears. That's worse than the Panthers. That's way worse than the Arizona Cardinals. That's worse than the Patriots. It's bad, man. And when it comes to the New York Jets, with all the talent they have on their freaking roster, and obviously the Aaron Rodgers thing playing a part in it, it just brings you back to Zach Wilson. And it brings you back to this idea of an offense just having to grind to have anything positive. And it does a mind trick on me when I'm watching the Jets. It really does. Because I'm, I'm pulling for the Jets. I want to see them succeed. I want to see some playoff football here in New York. Absolutely. Right? But it really does mess with your mind. It messes with your mentality when you're just watching the team. Because you start to not treat the New York Jets how you treat other teams. When Zach Wilson throws for two first downs on a drive, it feels like a win. It feels like they just scored points. That's no way to live in this league. You watch other teams. You watch uh, the, the better teams, even some of the mid, the middling teams, the mediocre teams in this league. You see consistent first downs, at least, on multiple drives. You don't see three and outs all day. Look at like at the Indianapolis Colts, man. They've been putting up points. They've been moving the ball. Gardner Minshew is a quarterback that when it's first down and it's the start of a drive, you expect to see two first downs even if it ends up in a punt or a really long field goal opportunity. With the Jets, you see two first downs and you feel like you already made it. It's no way to live in this NFL, man. It shouldn't be such a grind for quarterbacks to pick up first downs and, God forbid, score touchdowns. And right now, more than ever in this league, when we watch on Sundays and you're watching Red Zone or you're watching specific games, there are certain teams that when you see the offense get out on the field, you expect a punt. You are just so impressed by one first down throw because you haven't seen it, right? It happens with Justin Fields too. When Justin Fields puts together like half of a drive, you're like, oh, look at Justin Fields, man. Guy's making some throws. He's figuring out this throwing thing. You don't even need to run as much anymore, right? Like you start talking yourself into stuff. You're watching Desmond Ritter and now Taylor Heineke in Atlanta. And with all the talent they have on their offense, if it's not for a John Smith, you know, screen pass for 45, 60 yards, whatever it was for a touchdown the other day, Falcons offense was nothing until the end of the game. But then you see Desmond Ritter make that one throw to Drake London down the field and London makes a great catch. And you're like, look at that. Maybe Ritter does have some juice. You see Zach Wilson hit Garrett Wilson twice on a drive. Look at that. Starting to find the connection. No, it's not good enough. We have to recalibrate how we watch our teams. We can't continue to get mind tricked into believing these offenses are making progress when they're simply just not. It's time for New York fans to be completely fed up with the idea of our quarterbacks throwing for one touchdown or zero touchdowns and going, all right, look, you know, they made some progress. They didn't throw a pick. They only got sacked four times today. That's a, we, we did it. No, recalibrate. Watch the Jets and Giants, how you watch the team that you bet on and they're losing, where you criticize everything. Because right now, if you bet on the Green Bay Packers and you watch them, you're like, this Jordan Love guy, man, he kind of stinks. What's going on here? Guess what? Jordan Love has been way better than Daniel Jones and Zach Wilson this year, right? Baker Mayfield, if you're betting on the Buccaneers, granted they've had some fun games, they've lost four in a row, whatever, it's fine. You're watching Baker Mayfield and you're like, God, Baker just can't get it done. He can't get over the hump. 
He's been way better than Zach Wilson and Daniel Jones this year. Their offense have been way better. You have to recalibrate. You can't keep putting yourself in these situations where you think they're making progress when they're just bad and then a little bit less bad occasionally. It's not good enough. Think about it on Sunday. Next time you're watching football, which will be Thursday and then Sunday and then Monday because we all watch every NFL game. We know how it is. There are certain quarterbacks, there are certain teams that you're just going to watch and you're just never going to expect anything to happen. The Jets and Giants are in that mark. The Jets' defense played phenomenal, phenomenal on Monday night. Lost by three touchdowns. (laughs) It shouldn't be. It shouldn't be. And it's time to not take that anymore. For the Giants, it may be in the mark of going for a new quarterback in the top of the draft this year when they inevitably lose many games for the rest of the season. For the Jets, it's a prayer that Aaron Rodgers comes back healthy whether it be at the end of this year by a miracle or next year. But you can't keep telling yourself that Zach Wilson's making progress when he's going from a zero to a 1.5. It's just not okay. Because you don't do that when you watch other teams. When you watch Will Levis, it's his second start, and you're seeing positive plays way more consistently than you are for either New York team, that's a problem. The Titans don't have the weapons either. They got one guy. One weapon for for him to throw the ball to. One real weapon, you know? And Levis is making throws to Akina Westbrook. Westbrook Akina, whatever his name is, right? So just recalibrate. Jets fans, Giants fans. Take what we've been used to for years now, throw it out the freaking window, and watch this team like you watch other teams. And be critical of your team like you're critical of other teams. You'll be a little bit more crotchety a little bit more annoyed, but at least you'll know what the hell is going on and have a proper expectation for your franchise. Because right now it's just not fair to this Jets defense playing elite football every single week, and they have no chance. Because when they get two first downs on a drive, it feels like they scored a touchdown. It's not right. It's not okay. For the Jets, though, the answer ain't as simple. Because they got to compete, man. Four and four. Jets got to compete. They got a chance to make the playoffs. It's going to be tough because the AFC is really freaking good. And, you know, for all the uh, the talk over the first couple weeks, and I always bring up, bring us back to the beginning of the season because I think people so easily just get wiped. They wipe their brain from the preseason. They wipe their brain because they saw a few weeks of football. Like the first four weeks of the season are not the answer. They're not the whole year, right? Like if they were, we wouldn't be losing bets in week seven and eight. We would know what's going to happen. Right. So like you have to you have to remember the whole picture. And when I talked about the Jets in the preseason here, whether it was Aaron Rodgers or Zach Wilson, I mentioned that it's going to be tougher for them because of the AFC. And now they have a little bit of a a couple winnable games in the next like five weeks. Right. They got the the Raiders coming up next week. They got to win that game. They got the Bills in Miami. That's two tough ones back to back at Buffalo then home from Miami. Maybe you got to think about splitting that one. Staying at 500. Then you get the Falcons. You get the Texans. Those teams are not gimmies. Those games are not easy wins, but they're winnable. You get Washington. You get New England. If the Jets continue to beat teams that they're better than, they can be near the playoffs. They really can. Because right now, look at the AFC, and you obviously look at uh, one team from each division, so you get the Chiefs. 
get the Ravens probably being the uh, AFC North champions, Jaguars, AFC South, throw the Dolphins or the Bills into that uh, AFC East slot. That's four teams. Are the Jets now ready to compete from a record standpoint with these teams? You get the Cleveland Browns, the Cincinnati Bengals, the Pittsburgh Steelers, the Houston Texans, the Los Angeles Chargers. Throw the Colts in the mix. Maybe the Jets can compete with some of those teams. We just saw the defense compete with the Chargers. They could be in the playoff hunt. I want to see playoff football here in New York. I really do. But it's not going to be easy. And for the excitement that took place for the Jets' playoff hopes at different points of the first eight weeks, it's hard to to remember uh, all the stuff we talked about in the preseason when the Bengals are under 500 before they went on a four-game win streak. Like, oh, look at the Jets. The Jets can be right there in that top seven. It's getting harder every week. Harder every single week. So recalibrate, New York fans. Bit of a downer podcast, huh? That's okay. All we're going to do on Thursday is talk about quarterbacks, which will also be a downer for New York football fans. Because <laughs> who knows where those quarterbacks will rank. It's not going to be good, I'll tell you that much. But that'll be a fun episode. We'll talk about the whole league. Obviously, it'll be more fun. Talk about some of the good teams in the NFL. Instead of the Jets and Giants, I'm kind of getting sick about talking about them. That's all good. That's what we got. Subway Sports Talk. Don't forget to hit us on social media at Subway Sports Talk, Instagram, X, TikTok, wherever you listen to your podcast, Apple, Spotify, YouTube. Subscribe, rate, review, drop a comment. Hit us up. Tell me your takes. And last thing, back to the Knicks real quick. Please, if you want to trade Julius Randle, tell me the trade. I want to hear it. Because I don't think you got a good one. I don't think you cracked the code. I don't think you used the time machine the time machine, the trade machine properly and got it right for the Knicks. The trade don't exist, man. It's not there. Okay. So if you got it, prove me wrong. I'd be happy. If you send me the trade that makes me feel right, I will admit defeat all day. I just don't think it's going to happen. So try me. Love to see it. Let's go Knicks. They're fine. They're going to be just fine. I am right here with the Knicks from preseason and I am right here with the Knicks right now, which is still Top four seed, maybe a fifth seed at worst. That's the Knicks, baby. Get on board. Get on board with Subway Sports Talk. Subway Sports Talk, too. It's getting late. It's Tuesday morning now while I'm recording this. So thank you for listening. We'll talk to you on Thursday and Friday. Thursday, quarterback tiers and rankings. Friday, week 10, NFL picks. That's what we got. Talk to you soon. Cheers.